today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. destiny of every human being depends on his relationship to Jesus Christ. It is not on his relationship to life or on his service or usefulness, but simply and solely on his relationship to Jesus Christ. Our relationship to Christ impacts everything we do, who we are, and that relationship determines whether we fulfill our God-appointed destiny. Or not. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. Life is typically full to the brim with countless opportunities and paths that each of us choose on a whim's notice. Whether it's a career, a world traveling hobby, or becoming a jack of all trades, there's plenty of ways to fill our lives. But what is our ultimate goal or destiny when it's all said and done? In today's message, Pastor Ed reminds us of the one true destiny that each and every one of us was designed and created for. In our study, we learn that no matter what we accomplish in life, the true fulfillment comes from a relationship with Christ. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. I, this morning, want to speak to you about living out your destiny, living out the purpose for which you were created. It's all bound up, it's all connected to our relationship with God. Halverson, a musician, one day was listening to his children and other children playing in the yard. And the boys were talking about their dad, trying to outdo one another. And so one of the boys said, my father knows the governor of the state. Halverson's son said, ah, that's nothing. My dad knows God. Halverson, when he heard that, walked from the backyard into the house, knelt on his knees and said, oh, God, may my son always be able to say that. The most important relationship we have is our relationship with God. That relationship determines everything else. I think about what Oswald Chambers said when he said, the destiny of every human being depends on his relationship to Jesus Christ. It is not on his relationship to life or on his service or usefulness, but simply and solely on his relationship to Jesus Christ. Our relationship to Christ impacts everything we do, who we are, and that relationship determines whether we fulfill our God-appointed destiny or not. In Psalm 139, a Psalm of David, he looks at God and discusses God's attributes and how they practically impact our daily lives. How does God's attribute of knowing everything, he's omniscient, he he knows everything, there's nothing that he doesn't know. Well, he looks at that and says, God, you know us. 
God knows you. And if that's the case, let him refine you. If he knows you, let him refine you. In verse 1 of Psalm 139, Oh, Lord, you have searched me. You know me. You know when I sit, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts afar. God searches our hearts. He looks deep inside of us. Now, not the type of searching that you would experience when you stand before someone interviewing you for a job. I mean, they're going to ask to find out all sorts of things, whether to hire you, not hire you, or not the type of searching that happens on a court stand when they are interrogating you to see if they could find something against you. No, no, that's not the way God searches us. God searches us so that he can reveal us to ourselves. So that he can refine us and that we can come to him as the psalmist does at the very end of the psalm And he cries out, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there is any wicked way in me through life. You know who your worst enemy is. No, not the devil. Not your neighbor. It's who? No, not me, please. (laughs) It's yourself. We're our own worst enemy. And so what the psalmist is saying is saying, God, you have a plan for my life. Search my heart. Let me understand myself. It literally means to pierce through. There was a photographer. And he was taking pictures of the dock and boats. And the Great Eastern was right in front of him. And he took some beautiful pictures of the Great Eastern. When he went back to develop the film, he noticed it said, Lewis. And he said, wait a minute, that was the Great Eastern. It wasn't the Lewis. So he goes back to the dock to look at the boat. And when he gets there, sure enough, it says Great Eastern. So he went to the owners and said, why does it say on my photograph the Lewis? Well, they said, the boat used to be called the Lewis. And underneath the tar that we've placed on the boat is the name Lewis. That powerful lens and that film enabled the camera to see through that tar and to see underneath the name of the boat, the Lewis. See, God pierces through all outward appearances. We deceive ourselves. We don't even know ourselves. But God knows us perfectly. And that's what the psalmist is praying. He says, Lord, you've searched me. You know me. Jeremiah the prophet talks about that problem, the problem of the heart. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things, beyond cure. Who could understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. So the psalmist says, search me, O God, because you understand me. In verse 3, You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. God, you know my idiosyncrasies. You understand me better than I understand myself. Sometimes we're a mystery to ourselves. Sometimes you say, why did I say that? 
Where did that come from? Well, God knows. Before you ever had a word on your mouth, God knows. He knows everything about everything about you. Sometimes when you're married for years and your spouse after a get-together or a party looks at you and says, I knew you were going to say that. Never happened to you? I knew you were going to say that. You put your foot in your mouth. Well, God knows us perfectly and he understands us and he loves us with an incredible love. And so the, the psalmist is saying, Lord, you keep track of me. You never lose track of me. You never misunderstand me. Ever get to the place where people just misunderstand you or you misunderstand them? <laughs> Not with God. He never misunderstands us. He knows us completely. And, and then the psalmist says, because of this, God hems us in. In verse 5, you hem me in behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Have you been in a place in your life where you said, I'm going to do this, and all of a sudden a wall comes? Well, I'm going to go this way, and all of a sudden God stops you? Well, I'm going to do this. Look back on your life. I was thinking back when I was just a teenager, and I was going to Bible college, and I would travel 95 up to Rhode Island, and I would be in the bus, and I'd look out at the clouds and the sky, and I would begin to think about the future. I would pray, Lord, what type of woman will I marry? What type of children will I have Will I even marry? Will I have children? And just begin to think about all of those things, what the journey will be like. And so yesterday, coming back from Ocean City, New Jersey, coming, driving back, I was looking at the blue sky and the clouds. I was looking at the road too. (laughs) But I was looking at that, and I was thinking back 40 years ago or so when I prayed those prayers. And as I was remembering all of those things, God knows about our journey. And looking back on all of our journeys, as we look back, we could see where God redirected us at times, where he blocked us at times, where he changed this or that. Remember John Newton? John Newton? What did he do? He wrote... Amazing Grace, musicians, right, Amazing Grace. So some of you know John Newton. He wrote back uh, centuries ago, Amazing Grace. But he also wrote a poem, and I'd like to read that poem to you, that describes God's dealing with us. He said, once upon a time, a paper kite mounted to a wondrous height. We're giddy with its elevation. It thus expressed self-admiration. See how the crowds of gazing people admire my flight above the steeple. How they would wonder if they knew all that a kite like me can do. Were I but free, I take a flight and pierce the clouds beyond their sight. But ah, like a poor prisoner bound, my string confines me to the ground. I'd brave the eagle's towering wing, might I but fly without the string. It tugged and pulled while thus it spoke, to snap the string, 
At last it broke. Deprived at once of all its stay, in vain it tried to soar away. Unable its own weight to bear, it fluttered downward through the air. Unable its own course to guide, the winds soon plunged it in the tide. Ah, foolish kite, thou hast no wing. How couldst thou fly without a string? My heart cried out, O Lord, I see. How much this kite resembles me, forgetful that by thee I stand, impatient of thy ruling hand. How oft I wish to break the lines, thy wisdom for my lot assigns. How oft indulged the vain desire for something more, for something higher, but for thy grace and love divine, a fall this dreadful had been mine. God stops you. He blocks you. He hems you in because he loves you. And that's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, God You know everything about everything. You know me. You know all of my habits, all of my idiosyncrasies. I'm not a mystery to you. I may be a mystery to myself. You know me. So I come before you, and Lord, search my heart. That's how the psalm ends. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting light. Life. If we're going to follow our appointed destiny, we have to again and again have quiet times in solitude and silence and say, God, search me. I was walking along the broadwalk of Ocean City, New Jersey, and there was a poem written on one of the walls. I thought, boy, what an interesting brief poem. It said, the broadwalk was a place where all New Jersey met. It was a place where New Jersey met itself for better or for worse. For better or for worse. New Jersey met at the Broadwalk. The cross. God's presence. Jesus Christ. Is a place where we meet for better or for worse. For better when we say, search me, O God. Show myself to me. Cleanse me, O God. Refine me, O God. Change me, O God. That's the psalmist's prayer. Because there's a destiny that David had to fulfill. There's an appointed destiny that was a part of his journey. And each of us, we all have an appointed destiny. And it begins with saying, God, you know everything, you know me, search me. And then the psalmist moves forward and he moves on and he talks about God's presence and how that impacts us. He says, God is with you, so recognize him. God is with you, don't ignore him. In verse 7 and 8, where can I go from Your spirit, where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. God 
is with us. His name is Emmanuel. Now, we're not always conscious of that. Sometimes we push that consciousness aside because we want to do our own thing. Sometimes we're just caught up in the busyness of life and we forget to sit in his presence. We have to be careful that through life we don't ignore the presence of God. If you want to fulfill your destiny, if you want to be and do all that God wants you to be and do, recognize his presence in the darkest night, in the cloudiest of days. Recognize him. See, God wants to guide us. That's what the psalmist tells us. In verse 10, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Now David is writing this psalm and his life is filled with the guidance of God. Now there are times that he walks outside of God's providence. He pushes God aside. He ignores God. But there are many more times where he listens and one of those times is in the city Kalila. Kalila was a city, it's, the story is told in 1 Samuel chapter 23. They're under siege by the Philistines. The Philistines are attacking them. And, and David goes to God in prayer. And David says, God, shall I go and help them? And God says, yes, David. Then he goes back to tell his men, guess what? We're going to Kalila to help. Help them. Uh, defend them against the Philistines. And the men said, wait a minute, we'll be sitting ducks for Saul. You, you can't do that. So David goes back to God and sa- God says, go ahead. David, listen. So a second time, God says, go. So David goes. He delivers the city. They're rejoicing. And Saul hears, David is there in Kalila. And Saul says, ah, God's delivered David into my hand. Not so, so, not so. David goes to God again and says, God, will the people of Kalila deliver me into Saul's hands? And God says, yes, David, they will. Even when we do the right thing doesn't mean it always will work out the way we intend it to work out. Have you ever followed the leading of God and did what God asked you to do, and suddenly you find it doesn't work out all the way you thought it would. You find a difficulty, a situation that's just, well, put you in a very difficult place. That's what's happening in David's life. And so David hears God, and God delivers him and instructs him. And David's not going to get angry at the people of Kalila, not bitter or anything. But watch what David God does for David. God is going to deliver David out of Saul's hand. See, God will guide you and God will hold you. He will hold you in his hands. Your life is not in the hands of men if you're a believer, if you're a Christian. Your life is not at the whims of the choices of people around you or about you. In Psalm 139.10 again, it says, he holds us. Even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Remember the old song? I don't know about tomorrow, 
but I know who holds my hand. I don't know about what tomorrow holds, but I know that I'm in God's hands. And if you're in God's hands, you're safe. In 1 Samuel, again, chapter 23, it says, verse 14, David stayed in the desert strongholds in the hills of the desert as if day after day Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. Sometimes we're in the storm, but as long as you're in God's hands, you're safe. And sometimes the storms are a part of God's plan for your journey. You may not be able to explain them. You may not be able to figure it all out, but you're right where God wants you to be. See, what happens in David's life is he's going to see God's presence. You know you see God's presence in the storm? You learn a lot in the desert. Uh, David sees God all over the place. I mean, he's running into the caves. He's hiding out in the rocks. Uh, Not a pleasant place to be. But David sees God. In fact, one of his frequent references to God in them is God is my rock. God is a refuge. It's amazing when you walk with God and your eyes are open and you don't ignore him. You could see him in the difficult places and he can Create faith in your heart as you listen. And that's what's happening in David's life. There is a faith that's growing in his heart. God will guide you and God will hold you. Near, so very near to God. Nearer I cannot be. For in the person of his son, I am as near as he. There's nowhere that you can go. To the heavens, to hell. To the depths, to the heights. God's there. Don't ignore him. Say, Lord, speak, for your servant is listening. Open my eyes that I might see. God, search my heart. You understand me. You know me. You have a plan. God, help me to follow your leading. Hem me in, Lord. Uh, I'm going to follow your direction in my life. God, your presence, may I be cognizant and conscious of it. May I live in it. God, because I know you have a plan for my life. And if God has a plan for your life, trust him. Trust him. Trust him. It states... As you read on in this psalm, in the next section, uh, skipping to verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God has a plan for you, so trust him. He was involved in the formation of your body, the formation of your character. When the DNA came together, he was there. When the color of your eyes was determined, when the strengths and weaknesses of, and the propensities of your nature were being formed, he was all there. And, and God had a plan for all the days, every day. Well, nothing catches God by surprise. It catches us by surprise, but never God. He knows everything about everything. And 
David is saying, God, before I was born, you had a plan for my life. We hope you've been blessed by Dr. Edward Jones' study on the life of David and invite you to join us again. In the meantime, we'd love to keep in touch with you. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. We're here to join with you in prayer for whatever is going on in your life or to answer any questions you may have about how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That phone number again is 845-462-5955. Be sure to check out our website as well at buildinginfaithradio.com. There, you'll find messages from previous series available to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. We know that God is using the Building in Faith radio ministry to spread the good news of the gospel, but we encourage you to not let this be your only source of spiritual guidance. Reading the Bible, prayer, and fellowship with other believers are extremely beneficial to anyone who wishes to grow closer to God. By getting plugged in with a local church, you'll also be able to bless others around you by sharing your unique gifts. If you're in the Poughkeepsie, New York area and don't have a church family, We welcome you to join us here at Faith Assembly. For location information, service times, and a calendar of other great upcoming events, visit our website at buildinginfaithradio.com and click on Back to the Home page. That's all the time we have for today. But join us next time right here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed shares more from the captivating life of David. Your word restores.